Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawbeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the sixth day in God's created order. Friday, 19th day of January, 2024th year of our Lord. And let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning. Fellowship in your word. We love thee, Heavenly Father. We praise thee. And we ask that you open up the eyes of our hearts this morning, that we might come to hear your word and and to feed upon your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Sorry, a little late this morning. Sorry, a few, of course, Technical difficulties. Glad you're here. This is another fine day in the Lord. And um, we are continuing with the woes. The woes of uh, that we find in Matthew chapter 23, uh, 25 to 26. And... Oh, okay. Uh, and Jesus is, is, going, is chomping in hard at the at the Pharisees, eight of them, uh, well, um, they're in one view, it's seven. We'll, we'll take a benefit of eight. Eight woes toward the, the Pharisees, and he's, he's got them on the ring. He left and right, but it's not a fight. It's not a fight. He's not beating them up just to beat them up, but to give them opportunity. This is grace and this is mercy. Uh, and the Pharisees can take it as an insult or they can take it as a rebuke that they might they might open the eyes of their heart and change. So Matthew 23, 25, 26. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup. Let me bring that up there and make sure we got everything working. There we go. Try it again. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup. Um, and the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup of the dish so that the outside may become clean. Um, as you, as we're looking at this text, we see three repetitious words. First of all, the woes. We've mentioned the woes, and the woes are accursed. Um, Outside a blessing, if you're not blessed, hey, what do you got? You're drawing um, a relationship away from the Lord. That is not blessing. That's cursing. Regardless of how you're comfortable in this life, if if your life is is apart from that of the Lord, um, and the further you're away from it, the more cursed you are. The more outside, the more darkness, and the um, and really the woe to you is where you're so spiritual blindness that you think that you're so spiritual blind, which we've talked about today, that you think you've got it all right in, in the world. <laughs> you've got, you've got all the quarterments of life. Your career is going good. Your marriage is fine. You've got all the right things and you've got all the good things in life, but blinded to the fact that you are cursed if you're if you have no relationship with the Lord. We also see in these three repetition words, hypocrites. He continues to call them hypocrites. They've got two faces, two, um, and they're, uh, two different views. Uh, um, 
outwardly they're one way, but inwardly is their their true reality, true faces. And then they're blind, um, that they can't see that. Uh, and this is what pretty much the subject we'll work on today is the blindness. What is spiritual? What is spiritual blindness? So there are two kinds of blindness. That is, you know, the first one is, of course, the physical blindness. Um, blind, uh, the, um, uh, the blindness that comes to the eyes, that you can't see the world around you, the inability to see the world around you. And then far greater is spiritual blindness, which is the inability to see God and see ourselves how we we truly are in relationship and respect to God. You see, physical blindness is temporary. Physical blindness, look at it this way, which is far greater. Uh, physical blindness is temporary because this life is temporary. Our physical blind, our physical vision is related to this world and where we are now. But spiritual blindness is eternal. It's eternal. It's how we see. Um, so can we agree that spiritual blindness is worse than physical blindness? If I am blind of sight and cannot see a thing in this world, a day of my life, it is not as fatal as blink of, of being a blindness of the heart with that, with, if I go to the grave in that, then that that blindness, that separation is going to be eternal. I could check ourselves with our our view of uh one uh a lady that was called Helen Keller. She was a believer and she became blind at a very young age and deaf, blind and deaf. And um she spent her life like that and um she has a few quotes here, and she is a believer. And Helen Keller, I believe that God is in men as the sun is in the color and fragrance of the flower, the light in my darkness, the voice in my silence. And then I could see... And that is why I can be happy. And she's not talking about physical sight. And what you call dark, but which to me is golden. I could see a God-made world, not a man-made world. And that is Helen Keller. And um, Helen Keller died in June 1st, 1968. But, oh, what is she seeing now as she is absent from the body and face-to-face with the Lord? Because I know with certainty that she is not blind in heaven, that she's not blind. The things that, what were the things that she's missed out on this world that is greater than that which she is seeing in heaven right now? John Newton, a slave trader, who... He had good physical vision throughout his life. He had to. He was a slave trader. He was, um, he, um, navigated boats. He, uh, he recognized his own blindness when he came to the Lord. When after his conversion, he said these words. 
Amazing grace. How sweet to sell. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And he... And like the rest of us was unbelievers. As unbelievers, we are blind. We are blind, and to see is something that God has done. You know, and I'm on the way into Jerusalem. The Lord dealt with a couple blind men. They were they were shouting out, and they were saying, "Son of David, um, have mercy on us. Restore our vision." And Jesus, uh, Jesus healed them. And, and restored their blindness. Now Jesus is dealing with the blindness of the Pharisees. For us, when we came to see, it wasn't because of some intellectual thing within our mind. Some, well, I just got, I smartened up and I came to the Lord. No. Just as the Lord caused these blind men on the side of the road to see, He causes us to see that He Brings the Holy Spirit within our hearts and the, and, um, and the Holy Spirit through illumination enlightens the eyes of our hearts that we might see spiritual phenomena, the gospel, the truth of God's word. Um, the Lord rebuked in the seven churches, the one specific church is Laodicea. The last one mentioned in, uh, Revelation chapter three and the Lord rebukes them, Revelation 3.17. Because you say, I am rich. What Bring it over here. Because I am, you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so that was the rebuke for a whole church. Um, the very worst. It is to have a wrong assessment, a blindness of heart. Not knowing our physical condition. Again, I mentioned earlier that maybe we have all the good things in life. Maybe everything's going just right. Our career's on track. Everything we touch is, is, is success. We're, we enjoy life to its fullest. And the worst thing is to make a wrong assessment that our life is on track. This is the, this is the bad thing about the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel allows you to be, um, comfortable in your woeness. <laughs> Can we say that? You're comfortable in your woeness. And though you're you're happy, you got and you you're happy, you're joyful, you you've got all the prosperity, and you equate that to salvation, my friend. You're blind uh, because how bad is it, as Jesus said, to um, to gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul. To think that you're right. Another another thing is to be blinded by religion. Um, to be blinded by legalism. That 
you've got a, you got a good ministry going on. People are coming to hear you. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a Sunday school leader. Maybe you're working at a soup line and, and you're, and, and, um, you're doing all these great things for God. Paul, when we go to the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. You know, Saul of Tarsus was not an unbeliever when he was killing Christians. You know that? He wasn't a, he wasn't an unbeliever. He was an unbeliever in Christ, but he was a believer in Yahweh and God, and he thought that he was doing all right. He thought that his business of of getting the of of collecting up these followers of the ways, these heretics, and putting giving them their just deserts death was his service to God. He was blind. And he didn't see the the reality of what he was doing you know, until God opened his eyes, until the Lord opened his eyes. And there are unbelievers who, who are serving as pastors, Sunday school teachers, uh, um, doing great work for God, but they're blind to recognize, uh, you know, because their religion and their works, they're standing on their works for salvation. And how dreadful is that to think that you may be saved and yet wake up in hell? For the believer in Christ who's blinded, it costs them much in the way of eternal rewards. Again, so again, your works didn't get you into heaven. Neither will your works do anything for your spiritual life. Your works are as a product of your spiritual life. The spiritual life must come first. The works does not take the place of your spiritual life, and they are two separate things. Works are the fruit that comes from a, 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 a strong spiritual life. So once again, you as a believer may think that you're doing all the right things. You're making sure that you got all your religious T's crossed, all your religious I's dotted. You may have a prayer life. You may be reading your Bible. But, and you're thinking all these things are your, uh, is your, um, contribution to God. They may not be. You may be blinded by that as well. And the fact that one said, well, what is it? It's the condition of your heart. Remember, these Pharisees were the experts of the law. And they were as far away from God as they can possibly be. They prayed all over the place. But were their, her- were their prayers heard? So here is Jesus. He's instructing the Pharisees to not look on the outside. He, he, Jesus speaks so much about this. He tells them, and he's going to continue on. They are concentrated. The Pharisees look on the outside. They look at appearances. Brothers and sisters, it is the inside that is when it's corrupted that that counts. And it's arrogance that blinds us. For as we truly are, blinded to our own spiritual condition, and that is dangerous. Far dangerous for the unbeliever to think that he's saved, and dangerous for the believer and that must be weary of this, that they think they're doing all right, and yet they are walking outside the boundaries of God. You know, I, I myself, I look back on my life. I look, I look back on my life and I see in my life, uh, yeah, in, in times that, that, um, many times that I thought I was all right. 
I was taken in doctrine. I was um, rebounding all the time. That should be an indication if you have to rebound all the time. Something, something's kind of wrong there. Uh, rebounding over the same thing over and over again. Um, and, but on top of that, I thought I was just all right. I was, I was good to go with God. That was arrogance. Arrogance was blinding my way. And, um, and yet realizing now just how blind I was. And it was arrogance that blinded me. There are many that are going through their lives and, and many that we, we, you know, we, we put on our prayer list and we're saying to each other, pray for so and so because they're going through this and that and the other thing. Pray for someone, pray for this guy or this girl because, um, this is happening and this is happening. <laughs> I remember what Colonel said. The Colonel said somebody comes in and the Colonel knew this guy's, oh, you know, this guy's life and what he, what he was doing and everything. And he says, he says, he goes to the colonel, and colonel says, you know, he says, pray for me until I'm going to this, that, and thing. And the colonel says, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray that God will grab you by the ankles and drag you through, the, <laughs> and drag you, drag you, um, and bring you through the fire that you may, um, wake up. Because it's, it's not the, and we're, many of us are going through things, and it's not that, we, we are thinking we are just hit by circumstances left and right and up and down. And we've got this problem and we got that problem. Ladies and gentlemen, and even the way we look at things when we do come into situations. These things are a wake-up call to say, check your situation awareness. Like God said when, uh, when um, the Lord came into the garden and he said to Adam, where are you? And every crisis and the things that we're going through and, and, and when our lives are falling apart, we need to stop. I, I mean stop. I mean sit down, stand up, whatever it is, and take a look at your life. Open your eyes as the spiritual reality because your problem may not be an external problem. Your problem may be an internal problem. Now you may go through things and have everything intact spiritually. But on the other hand, you may be going through a lot of things and you're blaming the circumstances for the where you are at when all the while inside it's a spiritual condition that's got you um, tied up. So um, a lot of people are going from crisis to crisis. They're going through a religious or not or spiritual, I don't know, carnal or not, whatever. They're going from crisis to crisis. They're trying to find remedy, and sometimes they'll they'll fix this over here, and this will fall apart. They're trying to fix this over here, and this will fall apart. Again, stop. Check your situation awareness. Ask yourself, where are you? Where are you? And um, and for the most part, many of us treat the invisible. There is a physical. Life, our, our bio life, our biology life, our bio life, and there, and, and that bio life houses two immaterial parts of our being. Man is trichotomous. 
He has a body, a soul, and a spirit. Um, um, and that spirit may be dead or alive to a relationship with the Lord. And and let's just talk about the believer right now. And that, well, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about the believer. Those two immaterial parts, how much time do we give to our soul and to our spirit? How much importance do we give? Those, that's the inside of the cup. The inside of the cup that the Lord refers to the Pharisees, which were unbelievers, held the immaterial parts of these, um, these men. This, you know, and what we're talking about can also be said of the nation. We want a political answer to the nation. And remember what we, we taught growing up. As goes man, so goes the nation. Our nation can be said the same thing. We can look at our nation and say, um, and look at all the problems here that we have. And we're looking for a political, uh, a political answer. We're looking for our politicians to do something. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to send you out of woe. If you're looking for the next election to solve our problems, I'm saying it right now. Woe is to you. If you get, because you're going to find out that it's not a political problem that we've got, but we have a spiritual issue within this nation. So, point of application. Before we correct the outside, the physical part, we must first deal with the inside life. The inside of that cup, which is our soul and especially our spirit. Our soul connects us to uh, the world and other souls. Our spirit connects us to a relationship with God. So deal first. Deal first in order of importance of the spiritual life. And the outside will take care of itself. This is the, this is the, um, message that the Lord has for these Pharisees. Matthew 23, 26. You blind, once again here, you blind Pharisees, first clean inside of the cup. Remember the inside the cup, what's in there? The soul and the spirit. Um, and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean. Look at this. You buy very first clean. And that clean is an heiress. It comes from the word katharizo. It's what we see in First John 1 9 when first John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and katharizo cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this katharizo here is an heiress tense. It means make this, complete this, or, or get this done first. Make it your mission. Make it your job to, to adhere to your, your spiritual condition. Clean that up first. Clean up what's on the inside first. Okay? And then what's he, what's he saying? You blind, uh, Pharisees first clean. Aristens, the inside of the cup of the di- and the dish, 
so that the outside of it may become, and this may become is a middle subjunctive. First of all, the subjunctive is the um, sub, the subjunctive is the possibility. Clean, take care of the first ones first, so that the, the outside may may become clean. Okay, so the outside may become, and that is a a not only a subjunctive but a middle. That's what's becoming on, upon us. Take care of the inside, and the outside will take care of that upon us. You see what I'm saying? It's not active. We're not working on the outside. The more that we work on the outside, the more we fall apart. Work on the inside, and the outside will come come together. Okay. Um, and again, I, I, as I've said before, we spend a lot of time working, trying to work on, deal with the outside problems of life. When the greater problem is the uncleanliness that we have on the inside. Prioritize the soul and the spirit. Especially your spirit. Especially your walk with the Lord. Work with that. Know where you are at all times. The, the situational awareness. And when I say situational awareness, I'm talking like, like a soldier or a Marine on patrol. When they're out and on on enemy ground, they have to look at their environment. They have to be weary of where they're at at every every point. Because if they're not aware, if they're not aware of their surroundings, the enemy's going to jump them, and it's going to be all over. Same way with the Christian life, we must be weary and know where we are in our walk with the Lord. So first, examine the spirit. Even with clear eyes, clear eyes. So when we're coming in, and how we do this is we first examine ourselves and where we are. Um, Revelation 3.18. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I said, to anoint your eyes so that you may see. All right. We must first make the right assessment of where we are. First Corinthians 11.31 says, But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. So once we have made the right assessment, We then recognize time for repentance. That's why I, I urge so much. I, that's why I concern myself so much of wanting it, uh, in prayer that the Lord will open my eyes to see myself and who I truly am. Because regardless, any of us can be deceived into thinking we're something and we're not. That's what Paul says. Be careful that you... Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. Um, you may be blinded because arrogance is a blinder. And, um, we'll, we'll call, and if you're blind, you'll make the wrong assessment every time. Once I see clearly and where I'm at, then I can repent. Repenting, repentance means change my mind, to change the mind, to turn away from old manner of life. By establishing priorities, 
um, centered around strengthening the spirit. And how how's our spirit strengthened? Through God's word. Through God's word to replace the stinking thinking that's within with sound Bible doctrine. Uh, so that the outside may become clean. Um, so, once again, Jesus is not just just for the sake of it bashing the Pharisees. They have their opportunity to repent, will they? Just because Jesus knows beforehand that they won't, doesn't mean that Jesus isn't actively trying to get their repentance. The rebuke is not that he's trying to beat them down. The rebuke is trying to get them to turn back to repentance, even though they are going to be instruments to get them to the cross. So let us pray that the Lord will open up the eyes of our hearts, that we may see clearly on where we are and who we truly are, and that we may prioritize the spiritual life our relationship with the Lord. When our relationship with the Lord is the first and foremost and the most prioritized thing in our hearts, everything else is secondary. Everything, including our relationships, our struggles, our our prosperity. And um, by doing so, um, and with clear vision, we keep pressing forward and upward to that high ground of spiritual maturity. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity once again to have come together and fellowshipping in your word. Pray, Heavenly Father, that you open our eyes of our hearts, that we might see ourselves as we clearly are. Let it be that the word of God circulating within our hearts will make the right evaluation to guide our steps, to to keep bring us forward and upward to that close relationship with thee. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, this is Friday. We have our Lord's Day message. We're getting back into Hebrews chapter 7 this, uh, this Lord's Day. I hope you're with us. So until then, stay motivated in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Lord willing, Spirit God, Rapture Penning, we'll be back here at 11 a.m. on the Lord's Day. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.